Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the 84th Psalm. Psalm 84, we're picking up where we left off last week. Uh, the title of the song, uh, or the sermon, A Song About the God We Love. And so this will be part two. We're taking the last two-thirds of the psalm, picking up uh, on verse five. Psalm, as I reminded you last week, is divided into three stanzas of four verses each. Remember, this is something that was sung. The divisions are marked with that notation, the word sila. Uh, each of these stanzas answers a question. In verses 1 through 4, we find the place of God. Tonight, in the next section, verses 5 through 8, we'll see the provision of God. And then the last four verses, the pleasure of God. And so the place of God, we answer the question, where can I find God? And there are several uh, words in these first four verses that tell us about God's habitation, where the psalmist met him. Uh, there were the words tabernacles in verse 1. In verse 2, the courts of the Lord. In verse 3, the altars. And then in verse 4, thy house. And so that's where we find God. We want to go to the place of worship where we find him. Tonight we'll answer the next uh, the, the two questions. Not only where can I find God, but how can I have strength? That's when we'll start. And then the last section, what will bring lasting pleasure? And in each of these, we've chosen a verse to go along with it. The first is Psalm 84.4, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Uh, the second, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, verse 5. And then in verse 12, blessed is the man whose trusteth, who trusteth in thee. And in each of those, it's three times in the psalm that uh, we see that word blessed. It's the word of, of happiness. And so those are the three verses that uh, form our outline. So now let's go to verse 5. How can I have God's strength, the provision of God? It's wonderful to know uh, when you're going on a trip, a lot of times you take your itinerary, you know what you, where you're going along the stops on the way, but it's also, it's, it's great to know what will I need on this trip. And for the trip that God has given us, he gives us everything we need, the provisions that are mentioned in these four verses. Let's read them first. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, Make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. God gives us, first of all, the strength to know his will. Verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. Again, that word blessed there is, is happy, we'll be happy only when we know that our strength comes from God alone. When we know that he is our strength, we'll be exceedingly happy. The word here, I mentioned there's a word in, in the Old Testament, barak, which is a, a statement, a pronouncement of blessing. But this word asher is uh, a, the, the, the state of happiness, the state of joy. And when people ask you, are you happy? You can tell them, I am absolutely happy. And you can give them the reasons why. I will be happy because I know my strength is found in thee. You'll also be truly happy and content when you're going your, not your way, but God's way. When you're living for yourself instead of surrendering your will to him. True joy and blessing is only found when you find strength in the almighty hands of God. 
Robert Louis Stevenson, we don't usually quote him from the pulpit, but he said this, when a happy man comes into a room, it is as if another candle had been lighted. When the spirit of gladness and thankfulness rules the heart, light springs up to dispel the darkness and gloom. Many of you know people like that. As soon as they walk in the room, the room brightens. Others of you know people like Charlie Brown's pig pen. When they come into the room, there's this little dust that follows them, gloom and doom. One author wrote this. In a log church in the hills of West Virginia, I have heard the singing of a congregation of men and women poorly clad, overworked, and perhaps undernourished. Tears flowed and shouts interfered with the singing as they sang such songs as, Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. They had a preacher but once a month, and it seemed that God loaned them enough heaven to fill them to overflowing. I rejoiced with them and thanked God that people who had no paper on their walls or carpet on their floors could have 90 minutes of ecstasy once a month, which is far more than some churchgoers have in a lifetime. <laughs> Wonderful to have joy in Christ. The blessed man is blessed because he finds his strength in God alone. In the second half of that verse, in whose heart are the ways of them, it's a little bit stilted as we read that. What it means is, in whose hearts are thy ways? Luther translates here, wholeheartedly they follow after thee. So those who find strength in him have his ways in their hearts. That can mean two things. It means that you will know the will of God. His ways are in your heart. His plans for your life are in your heart. And it also means that you want to do what those plans are. You want to be obedient to the will of God. There's great joy in knowing that you're where God has placed you, that you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. He has a will for each of us. And there's great joy when we find that our heart is in his ways. We come to verse 6 now, and we find that God gives strength to rejoice in sorrow. Who passing through the valley of Baca maketh it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. Now the word Baca here uh, has been traced. Some people think it's a kind of a tree, a balsam tree. Um, the Baca Valley has been referred to the valley of weeping, or a parched valley, a dry valley, and that would make sense in the context of this verse, because it becomes a well. Literally, a fountain doth it make. It fills with rain. And we sing the song, Showers of Blessing. We know that, that rain that falls on the dryness. Are you walking through a dry and parched valley right now in your life? Christ can make the fountain spring up, and the wells fill it with rain. He can change the dry spells in your heart with, with one soul-drenching storm. Doug Roberts was a friend of mine in North Carolina. He was a youth pastor in a neighboring town to Durham. And we would meet as youth pastors periodically for prayer. We would plan activities for our youth groups to be involved in. We took our kids to Camp Deer Lake, and his church ran that camp. Doug is now with the Lord. While he was battling cancer, the treatments left him very thirsty. And he would mention it often. He said he felt like he could never get enough water. One afternoon, he talked about looking forward to the city where the river of life flowed. Doug said, I can't wait to get to heaven. 
I'm going to go into the river of, of life, and I'm going to wade out up to my eyeballs and just drink it in. <laughs> so verse in Psalm 46, verse 4, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Revelation 22, 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. God gives us strength to rejoice in sorrow. God gives us strength, in verse 7, to sustain us on the journey. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. I would love to have heard the children of Israel singing as they made their way up to Zion, to Jerusalem. They would go there for special feasts at the temple. They would sing psalms. The, in, in, in our Psalter, we'll find it from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And those are uh, psalms called the Songs of Degrees or the Psalms of Ascent. And they would, they would sing those as they walked up the elevation to Zion. God gives increasing strength for our journey to Zion. Too often, because we're goal-oriented, we think of reaching the destination. But life is not about the destination. It's often about the journey. We want to finish our projects. The destination is important, but God is doing something in us along the way. Every day, step by step, God is teaching us more about his provisions, about the strength that he gives us, about his goodness. And God is patiently working in us on a day-to-day basis, making us more like his son. So let's enjoy the journey to Zion. Let's see what he's doing in our lives. He gives us strength for the day. A lot of times we want strength for our entire life. Say, Lord, give, give me the store of strength, a bank of strength, and I'll just write a check as I feel like I need it. We want to have that control. God doesn't give tomorrow strength today. Like the manna that the children of Israel found in the morning, they could only collect enough for that day. If they hoarded some for the next day, what happened to it? It would breed worms. Unless it was the, the Sabbath day, and then there was an exception. But God promises that we'll have, we'll have strength for tomorrow. He tells us that. But he doesn't give it early. He gives strength for the day. And we grow as we realize that strength is always sufficient. Charles Haddon Spurgeon writes, So far from being wearied, they gather strength as they proceed. Each individual becomes happier. Each company becomes more numerous. Each holy song more sweet and full. We grow as we advance, if heaven be our goal. In the song, Soldiers of Christ Arise, we sing a phrase from this verse in verse 7. From strength to strength go on, wrestle and fight and pray. Tread all the powers of darkness down and win the well-fought day. I'm glad that God gives us strength for the journey. Please notice that every believer will get to Zion. At first glance, we might not recognize the meaning of those words. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. It's not saying that every one of them who gets to Zion will appear before God. It's telling us every believer will appear before God in Zion. Zion is where God is. Keep holding on 
to, to that, that thought as you plod along on your earthly journey. Don't quit. In God's perfect timing, you too will appear in his presence. Imagine that, face to face with Christ my Savior. The little book of Jude ends with the following benediction. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. God gives strength to sustain you on the journey. He promises to, to bring you finally into his presence. What a day that will be. God gives us strength to sustain us on the journey. We come to verse 8, and we find that God gives us strength through prayer. Again, these are the blessings that God gives us, the provisions that he gives us along the way to heaven. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Spurgeon says the repetition of the request for an answer to his prayer denotes his eagerness for a blessing. He says, hear my prayer, and then give ear. We should never be guilty of singing, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer and then neglect to pray. Let's live the songs that we sing in church. William Carey was criticized for spending too much time in prayer, that he neglected his business. He replied that prayer was much more important than laying up treasures on earth. Prayer is my real business, he said. Cobbling shoes is just a sideline that helps me pay the bills. The Lord honored Carey's faith, and he became a great missionary to India, to Burma, which is now Myanmar, and to um, the East Indies. God's provisions include direction for the path, joy in the presence of sorrow, strength for the journey, a promised home in Zion, and the provision of hearing God, or a hearing with God through prayer. We come now to the last section in the psalm, in verses 9 through 12, and we find the pleasure of God. What will bring lasting pleasure? Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. The, the pleasure, the lasting pleasure is found when we trust in him. We have the pleasure of knowing that God sees us through the work of Christ. Verse 9. Behold, he says, look upon there are these invitations for God to take notice. When there's sin in our life, oftentimes we don't want God to see. Uh, when, when there is uh, an injustice in our life, we pray that he will. We want him to look. And there's great comfort in knowing that he sees us. In Genesis 16, when Hagar was running from Sarai, God provided a well and she called it Be'er Lahai Roy, which means the well of him that liveth and seeth me. Found in Genesis 16, right around verse 13. Thou, God, seest me. What a wonderful privilege it is to have him see us. God sees everything. But he does not ask God in this psalm to see him. Behold, O God, 
our shield and look upon the face of thine anointed. Who's the shield? It's not the psalmist. He's not asking God to look down and see him, but to see the one who shields him. And what a wonderful privilege that we have for God to look down through the work of Christ, through the blood of Christ, and see us as forgiven sinners. I think the next phrase continues the plea. Look on thine anointed. Again, it's not the writer. This was the, the holy, anointed Son of God, the Messiah. Here is what Spurgeon calls a gleam of gospel light through the thick clouds. Literally, verse 9, as we read it, says, Our shield see, O God, and behold the face of thine anointed. Or, see the one who is our shield. Behold his face. He is your Messiah. So thine anointed is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is our shield. He is our defense. We have pleasure in serving him. Verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. That is a thousand somewhere else. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Doorkeeper is just one who stands at the threshold. That's all the Old Testament worshiper could do. He couldn't go in to the tabernacle. That was where the priests offered the sacrifices. He would stand at the door. That's where Isaiah stood when we read about his seeing the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his veil filled, his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his feet, face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah is standing there at the threshold. He can't go into the Holy of Holies because the train is filling the temple. Even the seraphim couldn't tread on that train. They hovered above it. And as he stood there, the doorposts moved when these seraphim cried. The house was filled with smoke. I had rather be a doorkeeper at the threshold in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Notice this service, this waiting at the door, is a choice. I had rather. I have chosen to do this. Serving Christ is a choice that we make. God never forces you to love him. He provides doors of opportunity for us to open have you made the choice to forsake all, to follow Christ? Look at the contrast that's in this verse. There's a contrast in time. A day in, their, in thy courts or a thousand somewhere else. There's a, there's a contrast in position. At the threshold or in the tents. There's a contrast in place. The house of my God or the tents of wickedness. And the psalmist says, I had rather in God's house than anywhere else. Which have you chosen in your life? Are you content to stand at the threshold of service at God's house? Or are you longing to sit down in the luxury and self-satisfying tents of ease, but of wickedness? There's joy in serving Jesus. Just greet the saint as he comes in or wish him Godspeed as he leaves. 
What do the tents of wickedness have compared to what God is doing in his house? One author, Perone, writes, The lowest place, the meanest office in God's house, is a happiness and an honor beyond all the world has to offer. What a choice. In verse 11, we have the pleasure of his benefits. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Here we have his identity. I believe this is the only place in the, in the Bible where God is called a sun, S-U-N. Don't you love sunshine? We were looking to go to a, a church in a part of the country that had a lot of rain one time. And the church called us to come, and we were here at Grace at that time. We came home. We just didn't have a piece about that calling. But we were asked at the, at the questioning time of this church, they said, you know, it rains a lot here, and uh, will we'll not seeing the sun bother, this, bother you? Will this hinder your call to this place? And I looked it up, and you know, we have less sunshine here than they do in Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> it's an incredible thing. But don't you love the sunshine? When it comes out, it warms you. It gives you light. It shows you what you need to correct in your darkness. And so what, a, what an appropriate title for God. He is the sun. He warms our cold hearts. He gives us light. He shows us guidance in the darkness. The Lord is our sun. He's also my shield, my protection. I'm glad that he shields me from the Father's wrath. He protects me from harm and danger, from the attacks of those enemies that we have in this life. He protects me from myself sometimes. <laughs> he is a shield in that way. Notice his gifts. The Lord will give grace and glory. Grace is undeserved favor. What a gift. God's grace poured out abundantly in your life. And then glory. That word means something that's weighty. It has to do with honor. God gives favor and honor. We sing the song, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. The last verse in that, He will give me grace and glory and go with me all the way. Not only does he give grace and glory, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. He gives grace, he gives glory, he gives us good things. That is what he recognizes as good for us. Always the best. Notice there's a stipulation. Who are the recipients of these good things? Them that walk uprightly. Don't think that you can live any way you please and come to God expecting him to have those gifts available, those good things. An upright walk is a prerequisite for receiving good things from the Lord. We have pleasure in his benefits. We also have pleasure in trusting him. Verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. O the happiness of a man trusting in thee. You've trusted him with your soul for eternity. Have you trusted him with your, with your life on a day-to-day -day basis? It's an incredible thing where people say, well, I, I know that he'll keep my soul. I've given it to him. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I know he'll take me to heaven. But I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about what's happening in my life today. 
lasting pleasure only comes when you give God complete control of your life. You can trust him every day. Questions are answered. Where can I find God? Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? To be in a place where you hear his word, where you sing with other believers the songs of praise that we've sung tonight, songs of thanksgiving. You'll never regret not uh, having come tonight. I think a lot of things that I'll regret at the end of life. I don't think I'll say, I wish, wish I hadn't read my Bible quite so much. No, I wish I hadn't gone to church that many times. There's so many other things that I could have done. I wish I hadn't prayed. I don't think we'll ever say that. There are some things we will regret. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. How can I have strength? Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. People today are looking for, for, for things that will make them more youthful. A lot of advertisements out there. Don't buy into it. Uh, some, some diet or some exercise that's going to make you more youthful. Your strength is found in the Lord. He'll give you strength that you need for each day. And he'll give you strength for tomorrow. From strength to strength go on. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. What will bring lasting pleasure? Blessed is the man who trusteth in thee. Do you want to be truly happy in your life? Trust God. Every day that comes. Trust him with all the things that he places in your life because everything that's on in your life today and tomorrow is placed there by the loving hand of an omniscient and an omnipotent God. You can trust him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this psalm. And I pray that as we go through life, we'll go as these travelers did, from strength to strength, going in the, in the, the presence and the pleasure of the Lord. I pray that if there's one here today, who's discouraged, who doesn't think his life has the blessings, that will recognize you haven't changed. You're as good to us as you were to the psalmist. You can be trusted. You can bring the blessings that you want to bring into our lives. I pray that you would help us to walk with you daily, trust you fully. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.